0: Okay, so contracts, payment deposits, registering your business with the state. As creative entrepreneurs, how the heck are we supposed to know all the ins and outs of all this information and what it means for our business? Well, we don't have to know it all right out of the gate. Chances are no one starts off knowing this stuff. This stuff is complex and really needs to come from an authoritative source in order to trust it. So I'm so excited to bring you Paige Griffith of The Legal Page on the podcast today. So Paige is a licensed attorney and photographer who specializes in helping entrepreneurs run their business the legal way. You may have heard of her from her incredible podcast the legal page podcast or seen her on her social channels where she shares tons of content related to running your business the legal way or you may have even used her incredible and highly reputable pre-written contract templates. I know I have and I love it. Uh speaking of the contract templates by the way, I'm so excited to have Paige in the podcast today and kind of just in time for a massive sale. Yes, that she is going to be running this Black Friday season on all the contract templates in her shop. Like, you guys, now is the freaking time to get yourself legal. So her sale may not be announced yet by the time this airs, but keep an eye on my social media for all the deets on when her sale is actually announced, when it goes live, and a way that I can give you a little extra bonus discount on top of what her sale is going to be, okay? So, all right, you might even want to get out a pen and paper to take notes for this episode because it is a doozy and it's good and it's sticky and it's dense. We're diving into all things legal with Paige Griffith. Are you an aspiring creative entrepreneur or established small business owner with a fuel to pursue the things that light you up like nothing else? If so, you are in the right place, my friend. My name is Nathan Shansky, and I'm a photographer and photography business educator. On this podcast, I'm here to drop nothing less than weekly truckloads of business and marketing tips, mindset shifts, and transformative wisdom from my life and career to bring you into the highest potential self that God created you to be. I will see you right here each week and let's commit to learning, growing, and achieving our goals together one bold step at a time. Paige, welcome to the Passion with Purpose podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today.
1: Nathan, we're finally doing it. I'm here. I'm so excited. Hello, everyone.
0: I love it. I'm so happy to have you here. I've never had anybody who is uh, certified in all things legal on the show. And I get asked these questions a lot. And obviously, this is not my area of expertise. So I'm so happy to have you here. Um, I would love to just to start off, If anybody doesn't know about you, which like who doesn't? Um, But if anybody doesn't know about you, just give us a little background and like, who you are, what you do, how you got to where you are today.
1: Hi, everyone. I am Paige. I am honored to be here. And Nathan and I have been talking about this for some time. And I, yeah, I, he's someone I have followed and admired. And we just have the same energy on social media. So <laughs> it's like this beautiful blossoming of this relationship coming to be. So <laughs> I am an attorney, obviously. Um, I run a legal education platform online. So the legal page page, P-A-I-G-E, it's a play on words with my name, we have all kinds of free resources online for entrepreneurs. I actually used to be a photographer for... I ran a pretty significant business for over eight years. I've scaled back since then. Now I just do it as like a hobby and a side project because I have this other business that I'm running. I couldn't run to at the same time. I learned mm-hmm. very quickly. Um, but with that, in being in the wedding and event industry, I had some event planning background as well. I just found that there was a void, right, to good information about running the back end of your business. People were going down Google rabbit holes and misinformation was getting spewed in Facebook groups and just, you know, educators in the online world. Also, they're not lawyers. Like, they didn't truly know. Hmm. And while I was running my photography business, I was in law school and then I went and worked for a federal judge. And soon thereafter, I realized, well, I can combine both my passions into one. Like there's this void in the industry. I know the virtual world really well. So why don't I become a virtual attorney and run an education platform where it's like a one-stop shop? If people are interested in listening, like if you're here and you're a podcast listener, like we have a legal page podcast that talks about all different topics you could ever dream of. We have hundreds of episodes in there. If you're a YouTuber and you'd rather just like watch a video, we have a YouTube channel. We have tons of blogs for you if you are looking for like a specific topic on an independent contractor and hiring them. And then on top of that, of course, is legal documents. So when... You know, you're starting out your business. If you're brand new, you need that main client contract. We have hundreds of them for very specific industries. And I make sure that these contract templates are tailored to your industry and needs and like client issues that would pop up. And then we also have just additional legal documents and short forms that you would need throughout your entrepreneurial journey, right? Think... Mm -hmm. refund agreement, cancellation agreement, rescheduling agreement, model release form, print release form, those types of things. So that in a nutshell is what I do at the legal page. We also kind of, we do a lot of fun things on social media, as well as we have a Facebook group with thousands of business owners in there as well, where I am more accessible to people for open legal Q&A. So if you do end up Having a question that pops up into your head throughout this episode, you can always ask us in there. I
0: love it. I literally love everything about your story and just the fact that you have like this perfect coupling of one industry and then the other industry and you're like, I'm literally going to take this opportunity to merge both of them together. And I mean, I don't really, I think in so many areas, like I don't know of anybody else in the legal industry who's also taking that to the photography industry. So I just, I just think it's so incredible. And I know so many people who, you know, they can get into something like entrepreneurship really fast, really easily. Right. And it's like the shiny new Mm -hmm. thing of digital entrepreneurship in the last 10 years. But a lot of people with something that they miss is like that legal side. And then I see them getting burned. So I would love for you not to like scare everybody, but just to like, what are the, what's at stake here? Like, what are the stakes of why you need to run your business, especially in this digital entrepreneurship, this creative entrepreneurship age? Why do you need to still run it legally?
1: Because everyone has laser beam focused now on the what ifs. Mm -hmm. That's the best answer I can give, and I'm going to break that down a little bit. If you have learned anything as an entrepreneur or just someone, a consumer in the world over the past couple of years, there is so much importance on being protected and being prepared. We were all very unprepared for the unknown, which makes sense, right? How do you truly prepare for what happened in 2020? Yep, You can't. It's unforeseeable and unpredictable. But I have seen this silver lining really truly come out of our online industry and particularly the wedding and event industry and photography world as a whole. Yeah. Where we knew we like needed contracts or we knew we needed to become an LLC or we should have had a separate bank account or we needed that gear and equipment insurance. But you didn't fully graphs the why because nothing had ever happened to you. And right. no bad things had occurred. It's just the what if was still lingering out there and you weren't personally impacted by it. But we right. all were. We all were mm-hmm. so fast and furiously impacted. So what's at stake here is literally one, the business that you worked so hard to create. Two, your income that you've worked really hard to you know, generate over the course of you starting this business, and three, your reputation in the industry. So if you want to look more professional to clients, if you want to level up your pricing as a photographer, like you can't just level up your website. You have to level up the entire backend, all of your sops and workflows, which, Point blank includes your contract because it's the very first thing they see when mm-hmm. they begin that client relationship with you. Of course, you're having those initial discovery calls, so on and so forth, and you're trying to like hook that prospective client for you. But if your c- contract comes across wonky or like it's not protecting them at all, or it, you know, comparative to your cost of like being a wedding photographer if you're charging right, like five, seven thousand dollars for a wedding mm-hmm. and you don't you have a two-pager contract, that doesn't really line up. <laughs> and right. the professionalism there doesn't it it doesn't correlate to your clients. So those are the three big things that are at stake and that is really the vitality of your business. So you need, need to be protected on the back end. It all starts with contracts. I always tell people, if you do anything, at least get a client contract in place. You know, you can be a sole proprietor all day long and maybe not even have like a negligence general liability policy. But as long as you have a contract, like I'm at least somewhat happy with where you're at in your business.
0: Yep, absolutely. Do you think it's ever like too, quote unquote, too early to get a contract? Because I know there's so many beginner photographers where they're like, oh, like I don't need a contract. I don't have too many clients yet to mm-hmm. like warrant having a contract.
1: Okay, so I I could answer this many different ways. But you guys, I was a photographer and I was an attorney. <laughs> When I was doing photography, or at least I was in law school, and people still tried to best with me and yep. still tried to poke my boundaries. I mean, if you have no contract, you have no boundaries. So mm-hmm. they can walk all over you. And even if it's family and friends, oh, boy. Can I tell you, they want more from you because they mm-hmm. expect it because they're your family and friend. Like you'll just edit this. Right. And now you're deep, like eight hours into a 30 minute mini session like, yep. um, on the back end of post-processing. So I, yeah, I mean, you need a contract. I always say like, it depends. I mean, I'm a lawyer. I need to say from the legal page standpoint and like me wearing my lawyer hat. Yeah. Get a contract. But I this is why I combined my two passions into one. Like I also have been an educator in the photography space. Like I've ran this business before I think you know. I think you know when you don't really need to have a contract with somebody. If it's like your sister in law and you've never had issues in the past and like maybe Mm -hmm. she just scratched your back and you need to scratch hers, like at least do an oral contract or an email bullet point contract. Like that's going to make me happy. (laughs) At least Mm -hmm. have something in place to set up boundaries. Um, But with friends and with people, um, I think. I would say the biggest misnomer is like when people are starting out and they're only charging, right, like $75 or $100 for a session, they're just trying to build their portfolio. They think they don't need a contract. That Hmm. is incorrect. Like you need a contract, even if you think the money behind it doesn't warrant a contract. It's quite the opposite because usually people who are paying for lower price ticket sessions end up being your most complicated Hmm. clients in the long run i was
0: just gonna say that like i find that so often that i mean it it's not like anybody anything against somebody like who who can only pay a certain budget for a a photographer but at the same time i do think that and this has just been patterns like experience driven data nothing that i can give you on paper but like I know so many beginner photographers, and then even when I first started as a photographer, we're like most of the people who are going to, or mo- most of the circumstances where you might get burned. I do think may come at the beginning of your career, where a lot of these clients just might not take you seriously, and they might not take your services seriously, and so they may slap filters on your work. They may um, yep. tell you that you have to re-edit things for them. They may um, post your, I-, I don't know, like they may they may print your work without having the rights to them. Like a lot of these things do happen because a lot of these things aren't clearly communicated. And I'm like, oh man, sometimes at the beginning of your career is when you need those contracts the most. Like, would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. I mean, just take mini sessions, for example, right? Like people try to do... I did mini sessions all the time. I loved doing them, but I can count on (laughs) my hand how many client issues I've had and the majority of them are during mini sessions. Because... It's a lower priced offer. And so I think your clients are more inclined to, if they're unhappy, they think it's like an easy refund for you. Mm -hmm. Or it's just like an easier way to be like, well, it's only eight photos that you took of me. So why can't you edit these kind of thing? It's just a totally different mindset that you put your clients into and that you put your business into. So absolutely like just set boundaries with those type of clients and situations that... I say you have an increased risk in those situations. Increased risk equals more protection through your contract and through the back end of your business.
0: Yep, absolutely. Okay, Paige. So if someone's listening and they're like, all right, I trust her. I believe her. I'm going to do whatever she says. What, how do we get like the, how do we get a green check marks in every, in every field from Paige for how do we run our business legally? Like what, what should we do?
1: I love that you said that. Okay. So (laughs) I, I'm going to twist it a little bit and tell people that there is no business out there in the world that is 100% legally legit. Hmm. So you have to start with that frame of mind because businesses are getting sued all the time. Corporations have like in-house counsel. You, You can't expect to be 100%. But what you're trying to do is go from wherever you're at right now. I would say for many of you listening, you're probably somewhere between zero and like, Forty to fifty percent legally legit. That's where like most entrepreneurs start. Just depending on what you've done, you know, prior to listening to this episode. Yep. So if we're just we're gonna do it in like a ten step thing. Okay, so you have ten check boxes, and like Nathan said, we're trying to get to like nine green check marks. I love it. <laughs> <Or eight laughs> Green check marks. I'm all about visual things here because the legal side can be tough. Like we were going to shove it under a rug for another day. It's not something we want to do. It's not shiny. It's not fun for us as business owners, but it's necessary. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people it's good to just think okay, what is like the one thing I can do during this quarter that would just level up the back end of my legalities for my business? And you want to start with your contract. So make sure you have a main client contract. You know, sometimes it's called a master service agreement. If you're not like a photographer and you're a graphic designer, or website designer, or a brand strategist or something like that, like you're going to have mainly like a master service agreement for the services that you offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to just look at it <laughs> and see... Does it include everything that you could think of as like the what if scenarios that could happen, particularly mm. related to fees paid, related to deliverability of assets, related to reschedulings or cancellations by either party, right? You might have something that comes up to as a business owner where you need to change things up. But voluntary reschedules and cancellations on your clients are always a good thing to make sure those clauses are included in your contract. So do a little DIY contract audit. That's step one. That's going to get you a couple more green check marks because you've actually sat down and like looked through your contract. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say the majority, like over 50% of people haven't read word for word and line by line their contract before. They just assume it's good enough and what they need or they got it from a colleague in the industry. And they're like, yeah, okay, this suffices, this works. You know.
0: -hmm. So
1: read your contract, do a little DIY contract audit. And then of course, just kind of look at your business as a whole. Do you have a good automated way for them to sign contracts? If you're in like the PDF stage or emailing stage, get away from that. Please go to a CRM system that tracks signatures and IP addresses and timestamps for you. That's mm. going to save you in the long run when, with making sure it's a valid and enforceable contract that was signed. And then you want to look into the additional things, Nathan. So besides contracts... Should you be a sole proprietor, that's the default rule when you start a business. Do you need to register as an LLC in your state? Would that behoove you right now at this point in your you know journey as a business owner? How much money are you making? Are you getting more clients? Are you starting to get to like the ten, twenty thousand dollars like, you know, revenue mark? If so, it might be, time to look at an LLC. It's the best insurance you can get for your business. And you're not like commingling anything personal with your business. Like your business truly is in a separate bubble. That's what an LLC does. Hmm. And then just business bank accounts and then insurance. So those are always the big four, right? Contracts, LLC business bank account and insurance. And that'll get you those check marks. And we're going to get you to, you know, 60, 70% legally legit. And then over time, you're just going to near closer and closer to like eight or nine green check marks.
0: I love it. So can you touch on, I I would just love to know what is, what's the benefit of an LLC over just staying as a sole proprietor? Like what, what does that, um, like, I'd love to have you just explain like what that means.
1: Yeah, your personal assets aren't at risk. So Mm. if you have a car, if you have a house, if you have a 401k, if you have a kid's college fund, if you have a savings account, everything that you have as assets are at risk when you're a sole proprietor. There is no separation. Everything is commingled. So your business is literally an arm, and extension of you as a person. You're just filing additional income under your social security number every year as a tax. You know, that's the taxes that you're submitting to the IRS and your state government. So an LLC literally separates who you are as a person and you're filing under a bubble... That your LLC is in. So your business just has like comma LLC after it. And I like to think of it as like, you know, a bubble that's just totally separate from you as a person. That's the best metaphor I can give for people because you can pop the bubble. And yeah. you don't want to pop the bubble. So you want to keep it intact. And it it's a liability separation. Literally, the term limited liability company limits the owner's personal liability upon the business's risks so i love it you separate obviously you have to get a business bank account only attached to your llc all of your touching moments need to come in and out of that business bank account you can reconcile it right like if you have an issue at the supermarket and you have to use your personal account or whatever it's fine you can reconcile every month you guys it's no big deal but you, you want that transaction to be noted from your business bank account. And that means that if there's any issues related to refunds or um, you accidentally someone trips over your off-camera flash at a wedding, the only assets that would be at risk, one, hopefully you have insurance for that situation. But two, if you don't or it doesn't cover it fully, you're only liable for what's in your business bank account. You, they can't come after you personally,
0: okay. So I love that you just explained that so concisely and clearly. I don't know why this isn't explained more often for photographers. Like i I don't know if I've ever heard that explained so clearly like that. I've unofficially told, you know, different students I've mentored before, that very thing. But like, I've always been like, I think I'm telling the full, I think I'm telling what's actually accurate, but like, I can't give legal advice. So I'm like, I think that's what it is. Um, But I love that you just like set the record straight. Like, this is why you need to set up as an LLC.
1: Yeah. And then the last thing I want to tell people is they always think like it's an additional... Thing you have to do during tax season. Mm. And that is why LLCs were created in the United States to make them the exact same as a sole proprietorship. It's just a different legal bubble for your business. So it's Mm -hmm. still what's called a pass through taxation entity. So just like if you were a sole proprietor and you're just filing this additional, you know, income or hobby or passion income on your, you know, schedule C at the end of the year, you're only passing all of your profits from your LLC through to you as the sole owner. And you don't have Mm -hmm. to like file all these additional business tax documents. It's really, really simple. So I always tell people an LLC is the best insurance you can get for your business. It's like having your cake and eating it too. It, it separates everything. It's usually inexpensive. I'm going to have a caveat here. California and New York, it's not super cheap. <laughs> um, so for some of those people, I would be like, okay, you could wait a little bit longer to get your LLC and just be a sole proprietor with a good you know, general liability policy. But... Uh, for the most part, it's 100% worth it. It's, you know, 100 to $200 or less to file for your LLC. It's through your Secretary of State. You can do it yourself. <laughs> you don't have mm-hmm. to have your CPA do it or you don't have to have a lawyer do it. You can absolutely do it yourself. Um, and yeah, it's it's a great first step towards having a really legit business.
0: Absolutely, I love it. So let's—I would love to dive into just some common mistakes you've probably seen photographers making in the legal department. Um, I don't know if you have some that like routinely come up, but just like call us out, like what what are we doing that? You just like tell us.
1: Well, the first thing is you're waiving provisions in your contract. Photographers are notorious for this because we're, we're people pleasers. Like, we want to assist our clients and get good reviews and have them refer us word of mouth to all their friends. Yeah. Um, and when I mean waive provisions in your contract, think about it like a late payment clause. If your clients are late and then you don't charge a late fee, and that's what it says in your contract, what that's called is waiving a provision in your contract. And Mm. if you do it too much or you even just do it once, there is an argument, a legal argument on your client side that said, well, you waived this provision, so I just assumed that this provision could be waived as well. And for the entire contract, you know, is waived sort of thing. Um, You want a clause in your contract called a severability and no waiver clause, which says if you waive one clause that doesn't mean you're waiving the entire contract. If you guys do not have that clause in the boilerplate language, like bottom, you know, half of your Mm -hmm. contract, go get one. (laughs) So severability and no waiver clause. But regardless of if you even have that, like why do you have a contract in place if you're just going to waive provisions left and right? Like it doesn't make you look professional. (laughs) It kind of makes your contract null and void. So don't do that. Photographers are notorious for it. If you have like an additional editing You know, fee if you have a rescheduling fee in your contract, like abide by your contract, enforce your contract, just do Mm -hmm. it and keep it consistent across the board. Another thing I see notoriously is photographers are doing different things with different clients and they don't realize, like, regionally clients talk. Mm. And I've seen issues pop up where, like, you gave someone a refund, but you didn't give the other person a refund, and then they talk, and like, you're obviously going to make both of them upset. So, yeah, I. those are the big ones. The other things I would say is people using the word deposit versus retainer in their contract. Photographers are notorious for you know not understanding the legality surrounding that. Use the word retainer or reservation fee or booking fee. Don't use the word deposit because a deposit is a, like down payment for something. And if it doesn't occur, you have to give it back. Just think of it like landlord tenant situation. So get rid of the word deposit and then lastly kind of think about photographers are pretty notorious for doing like a percentage as the booking fee or a percentage as a retainer and since 2020 I have really been educating on why flat fees for a reservation fee retainer are the best course of action moving forward so that it's consistent across the board with all of your clients And the upgrade in the package isn't related to them booking that time and date on your calendar. It's related to the actual services you're providing.
0: I love this. This is literally blowing my mind. Um, So I actually really want to touch on the last one you talked about. So because I've actually, I think it was a podcast from you actually, where you're like, you can't be charging necessarily this massive like 50% deposit or no, I said it wrong, retainer fee, if you're not actually rendering services, like if the only thing that you're rendering is ultimately a saved date, that's going to be, correct me if I'm wrong, that's going to be kind of hard to hold up. So the way you should set it up is, well, I'm just going to let you talk, like how should I set it up?
1: Yeah, full disclaimer here, you guys, I have like two or three episodes on this because I had to like keep coming back after people had questions and I answered them. So there's a whole series on the Legal Page Podcast. Nathan and I are scratching the surface here to say the least. <laughs> um, so if you want more info on that, just go go find those. But Nathan's right. So you, it's all about giving your clients an additional argument that I don't think you need to give them when you do a percentage-based retainer. If you are charging somebody for, it's it's mainly for wedding photographers, Nathan. So you really don't see this so much for portrait photography because your time and your like flexibility, right? And maneuverability for certain sessions is a lot higher than it is mm-hmm. for a wedding date. And sure. it's easier for you to mitigate damages, right? Like it's easier to book that session or to just say, well, I'll just book another session on Thursday to make up for my Tuesday one that rescheduled. weddings are booked so far in advance that you close your books for that date. So you can't say legally it's not what's called a reasonable retainer, quote unquote, and that is what a judge is going to interpret if there was ever a legal issue that popped up. Was it reasonable for you to charge one person, say they booked a $5,000 package with you and another person booked a $3,000 package with you? for two Saturday dates back-to-back, okay? They weren't prime dates on your calendar, right? It wasn't like a 10, 22, 22 situation or something. Sure. But it's just normal Saturdays, but one person just booked a higher package and you charge them 50%, so $2,500, and you charge the other person $1,500. But all you're doing is reserving that date on your calendar with that retainer, right? That's why I said reservation fee or booking fee is also a good Mm -hmm. term to use. Legally if the person wanted to reschedule or cancel that paid the $2,500, they had a higher package with you. They could argue that they should be refunded another thousand dollars because you only charge someone else $1,500 to book a Saturday Mm -hmm. date. Yep. Obviously, you're probably going to be, you know, covering more hours. You're going to be delivering more things. Maybe they get an additional album with that. But ultimately, all you're doing is blocking out those dates on your calendar. So that reservation Hmm. fee is only for that purpose. So don't give your clients that argument and just have it across the board like a standard, you know, $1,500 retainer fee. And then if you're worried about, okay, I do more for these higher end clients, right? I do more for these bigger packages, then split that up into installment payments, that are hmm. non-refundable throughout the duration of the contract period and not like waiting for everything to happen 30 days prior to the wedding date like that final payment to be made.
0: Yep. And what do you think about kind of delivering value right up front in in terms of almost like hey, I am rendering services, not only just booking you the date, but I'm also giving you something as well right off the bat.
1: Oh, I mean, hands down, not only for workflow purposes, but you're garnering an argument on your behalf that's like, well, it took me two hours to like create this and send this and give you value. And yeah, welcome packets and gifts and like mood boards are like just communication with your clients, right? Like jump on calls with them throughout the beginning process of booking, Yep. Uh, all of that you can clock as services rendered. Um, and then, as well, just be very, very clear, wedding photographers out there. If you have complimentary engagement sessions that are a part of your package, you have to be ultra clear in your contract that if that is performed, what amount that is towards your contract so that your clients don't ask for a refund and you've performed all these services, including an hmm. engagement session that was, if you say it's like truly complimentary, um, there's really no money attached to that.
0: Hmm. Would, would I, This is so random, but do you recommend complimentary sessions?
1: I don't. I just think they're sticky legally in a contract, but... Hmm. Yeah, I I don't. I don't even like engagement sessions to be a part of a wedding photography contract because I actually think it's two different services. Yeah, And you're finalizing that previous service prior to the massive service of the wedding date. So I think it should just be like a separate engagement contract. And I would suggest, you know, like y- there's there's like a massive discount, right? If somebody purchases their wedding photography from you, then they get their engagement session, you know, 50% off or whatever.
0: Yep, absolutely. I even think from like a business and sales perspective... I, I know this is very I remember one time I posted a reel about it and I know it's controversial to say like never give away free sessions um, but I genuinely think it like it's it's like bad on every end to give away a complimentary or free session I just think it devalues the session it's as you said it's sticky legally I, I don't know I would just like stay away from it if there's anybody listening um, but that's just my two cents. The other thing I'd love to ask you about is, you know, as we're talking about contracts, um, I know there. well, my gosh, like when I first started, I'm pretty sure I got a Google contract off the internet. So I'm willing to say that. Uh, and I'm sure there's other people that have probably floated that idea or are using something out there that just they found a freebie online. Are all contracts created equal?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> Just like you shouldn't be diagnosing yourself through WebMD. You shouldn't be using a contract from Google. I know that it <laughs> no happens. Matter. And you flex that idea, as Nathan said. Like, it's it's a, it's an easy solution to a problem that you think could be solved by doing it, but you're actually just making it worse. <laughs> yeah. Because you have no idea who wrote that contract. You have no idea if it's even for this country, like, let alone yep. your region In your specific industry, you have no idea if it's been updated and includes like case law that, you know, can span across the US regarding, you know, contracts and generalized service providing, you know, contract provisions. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, and the colleague thing or like sharing contracts at the end of the day is just never a good idea because you're imputing liability on yourself. For like, where did they get that contract? And was it actually, were they even able to share it with me? Is it a contract template that they shared? Or did their lawyer draft that template? Because the lawyer has copyrights over that contract. It's probably still a one license to use, even if it's a custom contract with that particular, you know, client of theirs as an attorney. Mm -hmm. So it's just never, ever, ever a good idea I always say like, it's better to be safe than to be sorry. And you're going to be sorry if you're like piecing things together yourself down the road. It's way better to like do the overhead investment at the beginning because contracts, like a solid contract is going to give back to you for years. You know, like a website sometimes needs to be refreshed every year or two, but Not a contract. Like a contract is pretty solid. You might have to modify it here and there, like depending on client issues that have popped up, but the whole of your contract is going to serve you thousands, like tenfold down the line.
0: Mm -hmm. And even the fact that, like, yeah, you might be paying a good chunk of money for words on a page right now, but the amount that it will protect you from. Potential cost down the road is probably like something you can't even put a number on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it, there's no there's no n- numerical value that you can put on it. You never know if you're going to have a client, that, like five clients that ask for you know massive refunds, mm-hmm. or they're going to take you to court, or you're you know it's going to save you from from preventing that situation from happening because you have the refund clause in your contract. Yeah. So there's no numerical value. But again, it levels up professionalism. The one story I can tell your listeners here, Nathan, is we had a customer a couple of years ago um, that used a TLP contract, tweaked it, you know, to their own business practices and like leveled it up to, you know, make sense for their, their own specific services that they are offering to their clients. And they kind of had like a higher-end wedding photography business. Uh, They were a husband and wife team. And they were in a bidding situation with a celebrity client. And their wedding planner was the one taking bids from photographers. And so her clients that were the celebrities said, okay, these are like the 5 to 10 photographers we like. Can you get their contracts and vet them and let us know like which ones you would recommend? And they Hmm. won the bid because their contract was more professional. The wedding planner literally told them your contract was better than everyone else's contract. And it protected my clients. And it had some things in there. And they anticipated like putting in an uh, non-disclosure ca- clause in there and you know like simplifying getting rid of stripping the model release and it just made it, it was like so sil- serving a really good professional first impression to these celebrity clients through mm. a contract and they booked like a $15,000 wedding off of it wow so it ended up making them more money not losing money <laughs>
0: Right. Absolutely. And and kind of like to tag off that, I do think that there's a lot of people that can kind of, I don't know, they can, they can think to themselves, oh, well, if I have like a really good contract in place and it covers everything and it covers me all the, all this stuff and it has all this legal jargon in it, then I'm going to scare my clients away. So what would you say to that person? Like, what's the best way to go about presenting contracts um, to clients in a way that like communicates that they're protected too and then also communicates like you know I know there's a lot in here but maybe this is how to digest it easier like how can we how can we make it very easy to use or read for our client
1: okay there's a lot of layers to this answer the first <laughs> thing i want to say is if you have a lot of legal jargon in your contract you need to change that. (laughs) So someone wrote it, that's probably a lawyer that hasn't written in plain English. But nowadays, you're trained in law school to write in plain English, like gone are the days of legal mumbo jumbo and confusion. Your contract shouldn't be confusing. And if it's confusing to you, I can guarantee it's confusing to your clients. (laughs) So Mm. you need to understand it and it needs to be easily readable by your clients. And then, Nathan, to answer your question surrounding like, how do you present this to your clients? Especially, you know, like our contracts, as we've worked on them for the past four to five years, like our wedding contract in particular is pretty robust. You know, it's not just like a couple pages. It's it's like seven or eight. And I think there is this weird frame of mind for photographers that that's actually going to turn off your clients. But like you said, if you just do your due diligence of explaining your contract to clients prior to them opening it and clicking the like view contract button on your email, then they're not going to be like starkly confused when they have to scroll a few pages through. So I tell people to send an email. Gone are the days when you send an email that's like, hey, Sally, thanks so much for jumping on the phone call with me. I'm so excited to get started. Here's my contract. And then it's just like view contract button. You can't do that because that's like going on a date and like uh, like I don't know, being like uh, bringing your mom, like like your mother, like the mother-in-law is already there potentially. (laughs) Um, You need to like ease into it a little bit. You need to like explain things about who you are and like the services Mm -hmm. you're offering to people. You can't just like jump in the deep end right away. So really have an email template that explains what I just said, right? Like you're excited that they're a prospective customer um, or client from you. You're here is what like the process looks like moving forward and just tell them like, I know contracts can sometimes be overwhelming. And if this is a wedding client, like lean into their pain point that I know you've probably signed a lot of contracts already. So Mm let me walk you through the most important clauses in my contract that I want you to take an extra peek at. And then Mm. in like three to five bullet points, you're explaining clause number four. Here's what this means. And here's how it protects you. And here is why I have this business policy in like layperson Mm. terms, in your own brand voice to them. They recognize that because they probably already talked to you. And then it's easier for clients to then open up that contract with the button that's attached and not feel overwhelmed. And they can just go to, okay, clause four, okay, clause 13. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like I feel protected in this clause as well as now I understand Nathan's boundaries surrounding, you know, cancellations, or I understand what he is asking me for, for meals and breaks throughout the day. That is going to just, again, level up who you are as a business owner and photographer to your clients. And it's going to ease all of their fears of signing a lengthy contract.
0: Hmm. And
1: lengthy contracts do not equal bad contracts. It's quite the opposite. Usually lengthy contracts, I mean, they what goes with them is, yeah, more legal language. <laughs> but on the flip side, shorter contracts are usually never good and they're yep. usually they're they're missing all kinds of things that need to be in there. And I all the last thing I will say is if your clients are hesitant, don't take that as a red flag. Hmm. That just means they're reading your contract. I like to think of it as like an orange flag. Okay, like why are they questioning this? What is the reasoning? But for the most part, they just want to clear something up. And the yeah. good news is is then you've cleared it up before something yeah. had even happened. And you know that they're looking at your contract because they're asking questions about it. So that that is the basic answer to your question. I hope I answered it, you know, as succinctly as I could. <laughs>
0: Oh, you did perfectly. I think that helps so much. And and there is something to be said about the fact that like you also need to know your own contract too, so that you can explain it. Because I think some people, you know, they're just like, oh, I gotta get the right contract and then I'll just like throw it in there and copy paste, whatever, I'm done. But it's like, I think we also need to go through that process of like, you better know your contract as well, even if it was a template and make sure that you can actually explain it to somebody. Like, I'm even thinking, I mean, this is I, I integrate a lot of video with my clients, and so like. I don't know, like, how crazy would it be if you almost had, like, a video walkthrough of, like, hey, I just want to touch on the main points. You don't have to watch this video walkthrough, but, like, if you want to, just to feel more secure, let's talk about everything in here. Because I know the contract topic can be a little (laughs) overwhelming for some people. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. No, I love that idea. I always... It's just a way of, like, going back to the olden days Where like you had to sit down across the table from someone and sign a contract. Like we really Mm. only still do that for houses for the most part. Otherwise, like everything's online. Every single contract you sign is online. And we're getting so used to just scrolling quickly and signing on the bottom dotted line, which is Mm -hmm. giving your clients the argument, like, I didn't have a meeting of the mind on that clause. I didn't know it was in your contract. Of course, they signed, so they're liable. But like, why give them that? Just try to sit down with them, like across the table, be their friend, like ask them if open the door to the conversation if they have any questions. And a great way to do that, like Nathan said, is if you're doing reels and if you're on social media, like your clients are used to your videos and your mm-hmm. like face and your voice. So that's awesome. I love that idea. Like a quick two-minute tutorial on what to expect when they open it and like where to go and if they have any questions to just reply back to you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's all about like making sure they actually are looking into it. I used to be so scared of being of putting anything. I used to be like, "Oh, hey, like here's a contract. Hope you can sign it." Okay, bye. But now at the nowadays, like I have like a big blurb in my like contract sending template email where I basically am like, "Please read through this entire contract. Um, Please don't be scared by anything in here, but just like be aware that like this whole process will be adhering to the terms of this contract, just so that like they know." as well as me, that like, hey, I'm not just throwing this out here for fun. Like, we're actually going to use this. Okay, so I would love to just talk a little bit about like, where can we, if, if somebody's listening and they're like, all right, Paige has me convinced. Where can I get a contract from this woman? Where can I get legally legit? And how can I learn more from Paige? Where where are we going to find you?
1: So I'm the legal page everywhere. I don't beat around the bush play on words with my first name. So it's com. If you put that into your website um, browser, you it will pop up. We've got blogs, we have podcasts, we have YouTube videos. If you are a podcast listener and you're like, I need more, we have all of the Legal Page podcast episodes you can listen to. I'm sure Nathan and I will make sure we link up the ones that we talked about today. As well as you guys, I have a blog with like free swipe copy for you on what you can copy and paste into that email template when you're sending the contract to the client. So I have mm. that done for you. I'll make sure Nathan gets that to you as well. Um, and then Nathan and I became virtual friends through Instagram. And I love Instagram as well. So you can find me over there. I manage my DMs. So if you have questions, you can reach out. And if you have like a very specific legal question that's more of a one-on-one question, I Will push you to the legal page Facebook community just for legal ethics and responsibilities as a lawyer. I have to be careful that attorney client privilege doesn't attach when you're not my actual client. So we like to answer those questions in a group environment and it also really helps the social listeners in our group that like to just watch what people post and see the answers from me and my legal team. It's also very collegial. So you're going to get experienced people in there that'll answer the questions for you as well if they've had a similar client situation pop up. Uh, That is the full rundown of where you can find me. So at your pleasure, however you like to learn or (laughs) communicate, I'm here for it.
0: I love it. It's so awesome. And yes, anybody listening, just scroll down to the show notes. We'll have everything there for you. We'll make sure that it's very easy to get to. Paige, thank you so much for being on the show today. I so appreciate this. I've been wanting to get you on the show and like, also just have somebody who's an expert in all things legal again my mind is blown on so much i always learn so much whenever i hear you talk so thank you so much for coming on the show today
1: yes thank you thank you thank you for having me and everyone it was a pleasure talking today
0: i love it